It's time for the town manager of Wyndham. As our program every month is brought to you by Prime Materials Recovery with facilities on Ash Street and Milk Street, Willimantic, PMR, assist manufacturers and utilities to maximize their resources through scrap recovery. As we bring in Jim Rivers, the Wyndham town manager, our town talk program usually is the first Tuesday of the month, but Mr. Rivers and I have other plans for the first Tuesday of the month. That's for tomorrow. You'll uh, be there on Main Street about 11 o'clock, won't you, Jim? What's happening then, Wayne? Um, I, I believe there'll be a lot of people on Main Street, and they'll be asking, where's the town manager? <laughs> I don't think, because there's so many people on Main Street, I don't think anybody's going to notice I'm there or not, because it's just so many people having such a good time. So you are right. Tomorrow is a big day for Wyndham, as usual. And you'll be right up at the front, as usual, I hope, Wayne. And uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, you know, I, I think, well, you tell me, but I think the weather's going to be okay tomorrow morning at 11. But um, we've had a lot of rain these last few weeks. And uh, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been rough going there with the weather. We had to cancel the, uh, unfortunately, the Coast Guard canceled yesterday again uh, because of the storms and the rain. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, I think the parade's rain or shine, right, Wayne? Absolutely. We had it one year, 2014, with some light rain falling. Your assistant recreation director, Charlie O'Brien, said a great line regarding the Coast Guard Academy concert. He said, anytime we have a drought, we should book the Coast Guard band because it always seems to get rained out. Actually, it's three years in a row that great concert has been rained out. Now, anybody with access to the www can go to WILI.com, our homepage down the right side, has a picture of the Grand Marshal and also a picture of the town manager. The town manager that year was wearing a red clown nose. Might the clown nose make a reappearance tomorrow, Jim? I don't want to disclose uh, what's going to happen tomorrow with the nose, uh, but I will say this, and we've discussed this, uh, it's a painful costume, let's just put it that way. Well, I'm looking forward to that, much the way I'm sure you're looking forward to whatever I will be involved in as well. Now, the parade steps off at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Hopefully, everybody remembers to bring and play a radio, not necessarily a boombox, and play it loud as we play the soundtrack. Is there a possibility, watch me tie this one in, is there a possibility, Jim, that right around the time the parade steps off, the town hall clock will chime out 11 o'clock? Ooh, I don't know about that. You you know something I don't know. No, as last I saw, there was no clock face on it. But the point is that they're they're getting that fixed up. And do you have a timetable? When is the town hall clock going to eventually ring out? So that is big news, uh, Wayne. I'm glad you brought that up. So, uh, yeah, they just took Thursday. They took apart the clock tower. That's the faces, the mechanism, uh, anything that would make that uh, the uh, the bell ring automatically anyway. And uh, we are fixing it up, and it's, a, it's part of a $150,000 clock tower renovation. Um, the glass is broken out. The mechanism wasn't working properly for quite a few years. It wasn't chiming like it should have. Uh, we have a huge bell up in that tower, and people remember the bell going off, you know, probably 10 years ago. Uh, we're, we're fixing it up, and finally, uh, people from Maine that really know what they're doing with that kind of thing, and there's, there's not too many people left to do, uh, they have taken apart all the, the key components of it and they're renovating it it's going to come back in and i'd say you know i'll give it four or five months before we actually see the completion of the project it's a pretty 
pretty involved process, uh, but we should have that thing all working and looking good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that back. I, I've heard it ring many times over my years here. So tomorrow's a big day in town, and coming up on July 15th, there's a big thing coming up in town. Tell me about the Latin Fest. So we had last year, uh, led by uh, Zamana Bruder, our executive administrator for the town, uh, last year we had a first-ever town uh, sponsored and run uh, Latin festival, and we're going to have it again because it was so successful last year. Uh, again on the fifteenth, all day, pretty much. It's a, it's a, I think it starts around ten or noon or something, and it goes into the evening till about ten o'clock at night. But we have ten performers uh, every hour. There's a new performer. Uh, it's free to the public. All I think this, they said sixteen food trucks. Uh, all kinds of things happening all day. And it's free to the public. Uh, we do not. We ask people not to set up outside the fence. In fact, we have new screening now. Uh, we want people to come inside so they can support the vendors that are there all day. They've taken the time to come out and support the event, uh, as well as all of our sponsors. So we want people to come inside the fence. We want people sitting outside the fence. It's also going to be a safety issue when they're all lined up outside the fence. So uh, please get in, get inside, come inside. Um, but we're going to have a great time on the 15th. Another event that uh, was pretty successful, uh, the flea market and the car show in town today. I'm guessing that'll be an annual event. Well, we have uh, an, an event every uh, uh, every month now that's uh, a little smaller than the Latin Festival, but it's still a pretty good-sized event. And, and lo and behold, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had you know, a flea market, and we tried to put, again, Zamata Bruder uh, putting together a program that gets different people there. Uh, we, we decided to have a car show with the flea market. And of course, we didn't. We never know who's going to show up at these things, right? Sometimes you, you plan for thousands and hundreds show up. Sometimes you plan for hundreds and thousands show up, and that's what happened. We planned for hundreds of people to show up, and thousands showed up. So we had the whole green and the whole Jilson property loaded with cars and people, and it was a really successful event. There was a little uh, consequence to that, which is people hang around. Now the good consequences are eating and they're they're hanging around in, in the in the town. Uh, bringing it to life. Of course, life can also be nuisance. We had some noises, and people were hanging around. The show ended, or the, the car show and the flea market ended at five. People can't, you know, they were in, still in town for, you know, hours afterwards. So, you know, we got to do a little better job of communicating and managing that uh, expectation. But if you want to have big events, you're going to have people and people with loud cars and. And, you know, cars they've built up and they're very proud of and they're showing them off and they might show them off a little bit too much after the show. But we're going to try to manage that better next time. But it was a big success and uh, we're going to do that again. Jim, we've had a change in the parking garage, the Intermodal Transportation Center, which nobody calls it that. But nonetheless, the parking garage there on Walnut Street, uh, starting July 1, a couple days ago, Fees began, not just there, but also at parking slots along streets in town. So update me on that. So, uh, you know, for many years, we haven't raised up the parking fees in town. Uh, we were going to do it a few years ago, but then you have COVID and all kinds of other things going on. So we, we, we stalled on that some more, uh, and finally we had to raise the fees. We hadn't raised them, I think. I'm, I'm going to say right now it's probably going on 10 years. Um, and we still didn't raise them a whole lot. I think the uh, uh, the, par- the annual parking fee for all the outside lots uh, outside of the garage, it's 175 I think. Uh, I don't set those. A little committee does. But $175 a year. 
Um, that is probably some of the lowest fees you'd see anywhere in Connecticut. Um, and then the garage, we, we recognized, uh, you know, it was time to, to set fees there. We have uh, meters in there, too, that you can buy time. We are allowing free time. Uh, I believe that is three hours. Uh, where you don't have to pay anything. So if you're downtown having to uh, go into a restaurant, um, you don't have to have a, a parking permit to use the garage. But if you're going to be there all day or all night, you're going to have to come into town hall and buy yourself a permit. Um, and again, that's uh, again a very affordable to have a garage. I think day pass, which is you know the twelve or so hours during the day, is about one hundred seventy-five thousand. I think one hundred seventy-five dollars. I think. And then the night pass would be the same thing, one hundred seventy-five dollars. So if you want to park there year-round. Uh, that's what you would have to pay. Um, I know that some people want it to continue to be free, but things cost money. We have to maintain the garage. The garage was $11 million. $6 million came from the state, but that $5 million, the taxpayers had to pony up locally for those, uh, for those dollars. So uh, we're trying to recover some of that. Are uh, we going to recover all that? We met everybody halfway. We're going to take some of the money from the parking fees. We'll, we'll cover uh, or some of the, the, the parking fees will pay for some of the garage, it's not going to pay for all the garage that will be spread across, uh, you know, the taxpayers. But we're trying to get some sharing of the cost of the garage with the users of the garage. So we're we're working on working through that. Everybody, if you have any questions, you can call town hall, or you can come down to see the clerk's office. That's where they're they're selling the parking passes. And along the same lines, I've had a few people ask, including Facebook questions about, "Hey, I'm from out of town. Where do I park for the boombox parade?" I would assume that, A, one answer would be that parking garage, but B, will they be charged for that? Or on the 4th of July tomorrow, will that be free parking? That's free parking tomorrow. We're not, you know, again, we have hours of free parking across the city. And that's, again, we're trying to encourage people coming to events. I think you'll see on big event days, we're not going to be charging people in the parking garage. We're going to let the garage be used for the purpose that it was created, which was to, to bring people in to see events. Uh, Boombox is one of the bigger ones, uh, but there won't be anybody ticketing anybody at the garage or in the lots uh, tomorrow. And remember that if you're coming to the Boombox Parade, there's no parking at Jilson Square, except for handicapped accessible parking people. But you've got to park elsewhere, including the aforementioned Intermodal Transportation Center and by the way, if you're going to bring your dog in the parade, you'll be required to walk barefoot yourself. It's too hot for doggy or other pet paws to be on Main Street in the middle of the summertime. As we often do, Jim, let's get an update on some of the downtown construction projects. It's been uh, pretty amazing here in the last month or so how much progress, because I'm sitting here seeing it every day, has been made on the Foster Building and then across the street at the Murray Building. Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks Wayne. Uh, that for sure we are seeing a lot of progress on Main Street and you're starting to see, you know, those physical changes on the outside that we've been talking about for years while many things have happened inside and not really visible to the public. You're starting to see the finishing touches on the the Murray building now with the facade, the old facade being restored, uh the upper part of that and I think you're going to see a reveal here very shortly on the big windows in the front where the commercial spaces are on the first floor uh but they're just about finishing up that project um on the foster side of the street you're seeing a lot more changes on the outside they're preparing to put the uh uh the finish on the outside of the building what you're seeing there is a uh, primer uh that color is not the actual color at the end of the day it's actually a primer 
when they put the finish on there. But you also see all the windows are now in there. And uh, I think they're going to try to keep the uh, the arches. That's the last thing I heard, the arches on the, the fourth floor on the front there. Uh, that was surprisingly in better shape than they thought they were going to be in. But they, uh, that's what I've heard. The architect's trying to incorporate that into the uh, into the, the look of that building. But, again, a lot of progress on those two projects. And, of course, you know, Cornabog Valley's back in place, and they, they changed the front of the building a little bit again there. Um, but they're coming into the fall here with a, with pro- new programs. And um, the, the pizza shop is going really well on Main there on that side of the street. And just the whole street is starting to look better. You've seen some new businesses come in. Um, so, again, there's, there's a lot of progress there. And then across the town, I mean, there's just a lot of good sales. I think that's the big news in the last month was we saw some, some pretty big uh, sales of properties. The real Rogers Corporation, my old stomping ground, sold for a million and a half dollars. That sold for... You know, ten percent of that a few years ago, um, and, and in a few other really big sales in town that uh, are just showing the strength of the economy that we have. We're going right now, Wyndham. And uh, speaking of the Foster Building, I think this is timely to announce that because of the construction, that sidewalk is closed, and a lot of people for the Boombox Parade like to set up in front of that building and sit there and watch the parade as it starts after the formation point at Jilson Square. Well, that will not be an option for people to watch the parade tomorrow, so keep that in your mind as you're looking for a place to watch the parade. And the other thing I just want you to talk about a bit, the long-term and also the short-term, the change on Riverside Drive, the street that parallels Main Street on the south side, goes right behind our building here today. Think about this when it comes to getting by the parade. Some people don't see the parade. They're not going to be able to go down Riverside Drive during that parade because it comes out on Railroad Street now. You can't continue out to Maine going straight, and there's a parade going on there. So there's a significant traffic effect on this tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, every, every time we have the parade, there's the, you know, we don't. I don't think we allow people to go through Riverside because there's a uh, they block the traffic. At- well, it used to come out beyond the parade formation area, so I think it was you were able to go through. I've never had to do it because I have other responsibilities that day, but now you can't do that. Well, you certainly can't do that because we're under full construction there, and uh, you know, again, I, I I caution everyone: please stay away from the construction site. It's an active construction site. The barriers are there for a reason. Uh, and for a good reason, we're trying to restore a building that was that was in really bad shape for a long time, and this is this is a price for that. So I think the parade is going to go on. It's going to be a great parade as it always is. That small disruption on that small section of sidewalk didn't change the uh, the outcome of of a great parade. But yes, we have a lot of activity in there. You know that that street, and also we have construction around the Murray Building we just talked about. Please stay away from it. There's barriers. Stay away from that area. They're up for a reason. We don't want you to trip, fall, or have something fall on you. Um, again, those things are temporary, the barriers anyway. But the uh, you know the flow, the traffic flow of Riverside Drive, uh, that's still being worked on with the engineers and the uh, planners and the Planning and Zoning Commission. So I don't know what the permanent uh, look of that is going to be. Uh, I I believe that you know by next year. Uh, that building should be done. I mean, that's what we're being told by the end of the year. It should be done. Uh, so all those barriers and, and construction safety equipment should be removed by next year's parade. So you're saying next year, if I want to watch the boombox parade, I can sit in front of the Foster Building, unlike this year? I hope so. My gosh, I Wayne, it, it, you should. 
<laughs> you shouldn't be able to sit in front of it. I think some people think I shouldn't. They think I should be out there on Main Street. Other people think I should be long gone, but let's go there. Hey, again, uh, back to a serious issue here, and that is the status of Narcan when it comes to police officers. It's a hot-button topic, but there are reasons for it. So kind of discuss the pros and the cons and where that stands right now with the Willamette police officers carrying and using Narcan. So, you know, it starts with the fact that we, you know, we have this horrible epidemic going across the country and the world for that matter. And, you know, fentanyl being a variation of, of, of it that now is even more deadly uh, than the prior situation. And, and again, uh, we do a great job in Wyndham. And in fact, I think the mayor spoke about some statistics last year. Again, we we're, we're always seem to be doing better than other towns these days, uh, which is not a bad thing. But uh, unfortunately, it's still not good enough. We're still losing people to this awful epidemic. Uh, but we're we're the best county in the state of Connecticut on a per capita basis, uh, you know, for overdoses. So that's the good news. The bad news is we still have quite a few overdoses, and we need to make sure that we have every tool we we have available uh, to our first responders. And police officers, of course, are also first responders. They often get the scene before the medical crew gets there because they could be busy or they could be further away. Um, so what we realized uh, last month or uh, about six weeks ago was. Uh, that the police officers don't have that on the, in the car on their person. And there are times when they could deploy that tool uh, to save someone's life. So we're working on getting the, uh, the officers equipped with, with Narcan. Uh, the price is coming down. It's, it's still quite expensive. I think it's $100 or so for two doses. And, uh, but we, we really need to do everything we can to save people. Uh, that's that's our primary objective as municipal employees, as police officers, fire fire department people, personnel. So uh, that's it. That's what it is. We're going to just try to keep uh, making improvements to the way we serve the public. Not having seen Narcam in my life, and hopefully would never need to. But how do you administer that? Is it a, a shot? Is it a pill? Is it a drink? How does that work? It's it's in, you inhale it. So you give you give people. You know, I I believe again. I haven't used it myself. Uh, I believe you put it in their nose and, and it, they inhale it and it brings them back, you know, usually. And sometimes, unfortunately, with fentanyl, it might, you might have to give them two, two doses to, to get them to, to revive them if they get there in time. But again, fentanyl is very deadly. It's faster. It's just more, much more potent and it's, uh, it's killing people and it's awful. But we got to do everything we can uh, on the municipal side to, to save people. Uh, and again, that's what we're doing. The police officers do a great job. They, they have deployed Narcan. Unfortunately, the example we had six weeks ago, uh, where we gave some awards to police officers for their, their extra effort was they had to basically go get some Narcan from a neighbor and, uh, we shouldn't have to do that. And that's, that, that's the point of this whole discussion recently is we should have the Narcan available and not have to, to get it from somebody else. So who pays for that? Is that taxpayers? Is that state funded? Is that federal funded? How does that work? Could be all of the above. We've gotten grants in the past to pay for Narcan. We've used our own municipal funds for our city funds for that. Um, we also have funds now coming from settlements uh, with all the opioid crisis lawsuits. Uh, we have money in, in an account. We could use that money to buy um, Narcan. So we have a number of sources to buy the Narcan. Over the years, we really haven't used a lot of local money. The fire department team, uh, they have a grant team. They have been re- very successful in getting us grants for uh, for Narcan. So uh, again, uh, it's it's an expensive. We use a lot of it, unfortunately. Um, it's expensive, but we've been pretty successful at getting funds from other sources. 
Now, you've got some raises coming up for non-union department heads? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to make, uh, I try not to make a big deal about giving employees raises, and especially if they're appropriate. Uh, but you know, there, there seems to be a lot of uh, controversy over this. So we, we have not historically been very good at giving uh, raises out to our employees. Uh, recent years, we've really tried to boost up, especially the union employees, because we have to. The, the, the competitive nature of the job market, as everyone knows, it, it comes to bear on us in the municipal world just as well just as much as anywhere else, and sometimes more so because we have special certifications and training that's required to do some of the jobs. But uh, the, the non-union department heads, those are the people basically running all the business units of the town, uh, they've done a great job. Many of them are well below the lower end of the range of other municipal people doing the same work they are. So the council has to approve these raises. That's by the charter. Uh, I can't just give out these raises without some approval from the additional approval from the council. So in recent months, the council has asked for some data, the data that we look at, which is our surveys out there that show what everybody's making. So we presented them with some survey data. That data uh, showed that we were very, very low in some cases. Um, one, the second point I want to make is in the newspaper recently, I think a few days ago, there's some confusion about the way the, the article presented itself. I think it was well-written, but it, it could have been read differently. The raises that were discussed in there, those are the ranges that we got from the data. Those are not the raises or the, or the wages that those people are currently making. So they showed two numbers, a low and a high. That's just the low and the high of the range from the data. That doesn't mean people are getting that raise. I think it could have been read where they were making the low and they're getting get the high. That's not what's happening. So does anybody watch the news, look at the newspaper or think that's what's happening? That's not what's happening. I have people calling me. Why are these people getting these huge raises? Some people will get pretty big raises, but many of them may not get that big of a raise because they might already be in where they need to be in the range. So just, again, I'm just cautioning everybody. Well, how the newspaper read was a little confusing, um, but uh, we, we have to pay our employees. They're doing a great job. Uh, we have notoriously been, been very low. And we have to do some catching up here with all this inflation. And you got to pay for that one way or the other. And one of my friends out in Western Connecticut just got a tax bill, and they did, they do the assessment differently. I guess every five years you have to do a different assessment. And she got a twenty percent increase in her taxes. We have talked about taxes and the mill rate before, but kind of take a step back and. Tell us about the town of Wyndham, where things stand with the mill rate, where things stand with people's taxes. Did our taxes go up as much as that town in western Connecticut did? Not at all. As a matter of fact, that's a very good point to tie into the, to the raises. Uh, even with all this inflation, um, you're getting tremendous, tremendous value in Wyndham right now. Uh, the last six years, the average single-family home, the taxes have not gone up, and that includes this year. They went up a little bit this year. I think it was six, six-tenths of a mill, and, and that, you know, that re- represents, you know, uh, a one-and-a-half, depending on which district you're in, one-and-a-half to two percent increase in your taxes. It just, is, you know, it just isn't a lot of money in the scheme of what you're, you're seeing for tax increases in other communities. I think Killingly went up nine percent this year uh, in one year. And for us, six years, because we had a big t- tax decrease last year, decrease. And this year, again, a little increase. So we are on the six years flat with um, taxes. Um, that includes a reval five years ago. So we're, we're doing very well on the taxes with all the services. And I'd say an increase in services. We've increased services. We have, of course, the town is doing what it's doing right now. It's really humming. 
And uh, I think what you're going to see next year is a big increase in value, which is, of course, the ultimate, right? Your, your shareholder value is your property value. And we're not going to see the taxes go up. So you're going to see the, the uh, property values go up, but you're going to see the mill rate drop substantially next year. So when you get that tax revaluation at the end of the year, because uh, we're in a revalue year, just like that other person you talked about, um, don't get too freaked out because the taxes will be adjusted downward accordingly. So uh, we're going to have to explain that. We've got time to do that between now and the end of the year. This happens every five years. Last time, properties, this residential property value stayed pretty flat, which is actually bad news. You don't want your property values staying flat after five years. You want them to go up. So things are going really well for the taxpayers in Wyndham. I know everybody doesn't agree with that, but certainly a majority did. The last few budgets we passed with flying collars, that's a reflection of, again, value. People are getting value. So back to those raises, you know, in the scheme of things, we have to pay the people doing a good job and making taxes flat, putting these good services to the people, increasing their property values. We want good people to keep doing that, and you have to pay them what everybody else pays them. It's as simple as that. So it all ties together. That was a great point in question, Wayne. And a little bit of update on the skate park, which is sort of a hidden treasure here in town. A lot of people taking use of that. And you mentioned a couple of months ago there was an upgrade coming. Where does that stand? Oh, that, that's done, and they had the, uh, the open, open uh, ribbon cutting on that. Had a great party that day. Um, no, it's, it's probably, I wouldn't say it quite doubled the size of the skate park, but probably a 40% increase, 50% increase in, what, in the features that were there. Um, but, again, we have probably one of the best skate parks, certainly this side of the river, and we attract a lot of people from out of town there. But it's, it, check it out. Every, anybody who wants to see it can go down and look at it. It's uh, a water park, but it's beautiful. Hardest working man in showbiz, Jim Rivers, the Wyndham Town Manager. Let the people know, Jim, you're working on a day off. Of it, but you know what? You'll do anything to get the uh, information out via the radio. Always working, Wayne, just like you, just like you. And thanks for having me, as usual. And I hear you'll be working again about 11 o'clock tomorrow, huh? Uh, you know, I'm always working, Wayne. Boombox Parade, don't you know? 11 o'clock, Jilson Square. Our friend, the town manager of Wyndham, Jim Rivers. He's usually here on the first Tuesday of the month, but there's other stuff going on on tomorrow, so we booped it up to today, this month. And our program brought to you by Prime Materials Recovery with facilities on Milk Street, Nash Street, and Willimantic, headquartered in East Hartford. PMR operates state-of-the-art processing facilities in Canastota, New York, Willimantic, Connecticut, and Orangeburg, South Carolina. Learn more at PMR, Inc., Dot com 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.